Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. I pray if you're new here today, and if you're living here or just visiting here, that you will catch the spirit of worship that we are called to. You know, the Bible says that Jesus said it himself. He said, the Father is looking, searching for those who worship in spirit and in truth. I remember years ago when uh, I didn't quite understand it, you know, the whole Sabbath thing, you know, and, and back then it's like, oh, you can't do sports on Sunday. You can't do anything fun. And so people were kind of spent the day supposedly dedicated to God, but very paying very little attention to God, but just not doing anything. And uh, that's not really what God had in mind. But what we have this morning is we have an opportunity to say, you're the one that really matters. Remember a few years ago, uh, seeing this video of somebody who was praying in tongues And it so happened that somebody was there who understood the language they are praying in. And they kept saying over and over, said, you are the strand of life. You are the strand of life. You are the strand of life. You are the, you are the one, you are the author. You are the beginner. You are the originator. All life has its roots in you. You're the one that really matters. So this morning as we're worshiping, I want to invite you to worship with all of your heart. Not just engage in the songs, but, but from, from the depth of desire. Whatever you need today can truly only be satisfied in Him. And the presence of God and the resource and the supply of God is not just a byproduct of you doing a host of things. It's a byproduct of one central thing drawing near to Him. Drawing near to Him. Wholeness, deliverance, freedom, destiny, all of these things come from Him. So, Father, we want to say today, Father, we want to give You unreservedly our worship this morning. Father, we want to pull in every, every wayward thought, every distraction, every musing about tomorrow and the next day. And we just want to pour out our hope, our love, our devotion to you and to you alone today. Father, we want to arrest every thought and say, you deserve the glory. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 149, it says there's a privilege that belongs to the sons of God. And if you go to that, that psalm, and I, I haven't memorized the whole thing, but it talks about the judgments against principalities and powers. And it talks about the written judgments. Do you know what the written judgments are? The whole scriptures. All of the scriptures. The inevitability that there's going to be one that is worshipped in all the earth. That, the, that it's going to be openly manifest that all those who have pretended to be gods are indeed not gods at all. They will be laid low, and all the nations will wonder and stand in awe at the majesty of Elohim, at the majesty of the great I Am, at the majesty of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
So, Lord, we declare today the inevitability that all the earth will shake at the sound of your voice. The whole earth, the whole earth, come on, all the earth. I want you to begin to see it. Every nation, every city, every piece of land will know the majesty of the glory of God. No stone will not be unturned. In Jesus' name, we declare the majesty and the sound of the approaching glory of God. Come on, keep pressing into this. It says in Revelations, the spirit and the bride say, come, open up you gates. We invite the king of kings. We invite God, our creator, to rule over his creation. Every man, woman, and child. Father, we invite on our city, on our region, God, that you would hover over this region, that you would rain down with your presence, your amazing love. Father, that those that don't know you would even be awakened in their homes with the reality that God is real. There is a God. They will suddenly cry out in the midst of their pain and their loneliness. There is a God. Let the veil be removed. Let the veil be removed. I just have to say this because do you realize what you're saying? You're saying that when all hope is gone, when there's nothing but dry bones left in the earth and there's no flesh and there's no blood and there's no movement, when, when that thing that used to have life that seemed to be the promise of your future is dead in the dust and gone, forever gone, never to be remembered again, God says to you, hope can live. So he says to the prophet, do you think I can do this? And, you know, even if Jeremiah thought he might be able to, but then he, he doesn't say, okay, live. He says, no, you command these bones to live. You, prophet, you, listen, when people were prophesying along with Moses and somebody came and said to them, there are people prophesying, we told them not to. And Moses said, no, 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 you don't understand. I want all the people to be prophets because the nature of being a child of God is you, you declare life to destiny. You, de- you declare life to your purpose. You prophesy over the dead bones, over what seems to be the destruction that the enemy has brought to your life. You begin, you turn to those bones. You turn to that promise. You turn to that destiny. You say, you will live. You will live. These bones will live. We're not just getting excited about something that happened 3,000 years ago. We're saying these bones will live today. Destiny will arise. Yeah, and the winds of hope will blow. 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 Blow upon us, God. These bones shall live. While the enemy, listen, as a church, while the enemy tried to bring curse after curse after curse to Spruce Grove Community Church, Said so that church is dead and dying. That church is lost. That church is going downhill. We say in Jesus' name, we break the power of every curse. And we say, these bones will live. Can we say amen to that? He's holy. You know, I want us to do one more thing before we transition. I was truly blessed just to see our young people and to see the passion that's within them today released. And I just want to say, you young people, we bless the passion that's inside of you. 
we bless you to release this passion because this passion is going to change nations. So, Lord, we bless the passion in the house. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, let's welcome Pastor Mark. Actually, actually, we're going we're gonna to have Kim Wheeler come first. Uh, Kim and Lynn Wheeler, why don't you, Kim and Lynn, why don't you come up for a second? Let me just introduce you in case you don't know these two. Anyway, I've been all over the world, been to 45 countries, and seen my share of missionaries. And I've bragged about these guys before, but uh, let me brag about them again. Because uh, I go to places... Uh, I, I don't want to tell this story. I was going to tell you a story, but it's a long story. But I go to places, you would not believe the things that are done in the name of missions and, and, and the church. But when I went down to Guatemala and saw not only the infrastructure that's there, not only the, 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 the territory, the land, the development, but the relationships, the favor that they had, not only in Guatemala, but right across Central America. I mean, it just spoke so well. Uh, I mean, there there are people who have been there 30 years, you know, many years longer than them. Well, how long have you been there? 25. 25. There are people who have been there 30 years who haven't done nearly half of what they've done. So this is truly an apostolic mission that's establishing the kingdom of God in Central America. And um, and I, I just want you to, to know who they are and know that they're my friends. And I'm looking forward to doing more in Central America this next year. And uh, because there's something about when you get out and you mix giftings and tell you what happens, you want to come on one of those trips, let me tell you. You want to come when we're doing a conference somewhere in uh, Central America because it's, it's, not, uh, it's not like anything you've seen here. So uh, I'm going to have Kim share a couple minutes and then we're going to... Sh- Thanks, Lynn. And then we are going to take a special offering for Feviva World Missions. And uh, Kim is going to share one of the main projects that uh, they're involved in. And he's also going to, well, I'm going to give him a, a few minutes here to just release something before I come up. And if he takes up all my time, it'll be the last time that he gets to stand here. <laughs> so, but that's all right. This, we're family, right? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Hallelujah. No, it's always a privilege for us to be able to be here. We've been here, this is now... Three weeks in a row. Three weekends. Three Sundays. Whoa. That's a record for us. I think in, in years. Three, four, well, three years for sure. It's a new day. Because we rarely are here for more than a week. And then gone again and back and forth. So, it's, so some of you saying, who are these guys? You know, you, we come and we go. We're, you know, are we backsliders or what? I don't know. But, you know, no, we're not backsliders. We really aren't. But, uh, you know, I just want to share one thing real quick before I... I want, want to, what I have to say is this morning, I, I, it was a unique experience. During the worship, I found myself looking as if I was going into the triumphal entry when Jesus was walking into Jerusalem. I don't know. Did anyone else feel that? I, I, that's how I felt. But I saw myself looking at the crowd. I got, it's like I was there in the middle of it. And I'm seeing the crowd worshiping Jesus coming in, the triumphal entry. That's how I felt. But I could see it. You know, and I'm a visionary. That's how God uses me. I, I'll see things like in a motion picture. And I'm looking, and, I'm, and it's like, I'm in the middle of this. This is so awesome. That, that was that liberty, that freedom. Can you just imagine being at that scene where all of Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, it's much of the world are, is there as well. 
dignitaries, and they're all worshiping the king of kings. Now, they had different motives. They wanted to make him king, but for selfish motives. But, but nonetheless, it would have been unbelievable. And I saw myself, and I'm saying, like, I'm in the middle of this, but I can see the crowds lined up, Jesus coming, and I'm looking for myself. I was looking. I said, I was like, where am I? Where am I? And then I realized I wasn't, I wasn't in the crowd. I was the donkey. I realized that's that's why I had a different perspective. And he says, we're the donkey. We're the donkey that's carrying the king of kings into the city. And, and, And it's like, what an amazing perspective that, that God has granted us and given us as a body of Christ to come in and bring in the presence of the King of Kings to the city. And then, and then I was thinking to myself, I was saying, you know, I could just imagine this as a donkey talking. And, and like the, the next week I says, man, you know, like I, everyone was clapping and praising and I was in the middle of it and they were all saying, whoa, what an awesome donkey and everything else. And the next week, totally ignore me. And the other donkey friend of mine, he turns and he says, he says, well, he says, you're nothing without Jesus. Yeah. Right? Unless we have Jesus, we're just the donkey. But when, if we have the presence of God on our backs and we're carrying the presence into Spruce Grove to, or wherever we go in the world, we're bringing the, 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 the King of Kings on our backs. That's who we're carrying. Amen. And so now, and I just saw that as a, as a, almost as a prophetic act, even a court from the, like last week, if you were all here last week, what was being done and some of the new things that are being brought in for this body. And now this in this triumphal entry, I see this as a, as a prophetic, prophetic uh, process. And it's like a new step, a new process saying that the Holy Spirit is saying, he says, I'm about to use you. Yeah, you, a donkey, to bring in that presence of the Lord. And it's fresh every day, every, every morning, into, into Spruce Grove, into Parkland Community, into this region, in Jesus' name. And all we have to do is say yes. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. Praise God. Well, Pastor Mark said I only have a, a few minutes, so I have to go quick. Almost done. But... But uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> that's always the hardest thing to do. I'll remember that when you're preaching in Guatemala. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's only one problem in Guatemala. You don't go by the clock. Yeah, there is no time there. You just go until you're done, right? And, uh, you know, I want to start out by first sharing real quick about what's going on in Guatemala. It's been um, a challenge in politically speaking, because they just finished the elections, and it works a little different there in Guatemala. There's 28 political parties, so, uh, and you have to have a majority government in order to go in, so you can imagine it's not going to happen the first time around. And the three out of the four uh, top runners were very anti-Christ, very uh, evil-minded, one, one who was the top runner was, is an actual uh, um, witch. But she's a, she calls herself a Christian witch. 
And she's actually the leader of a, of a, of a uh, um, coven, you know, and she's been for many years. So that's what we've been contending with and the church. But it's forced the church to come together in a spirit of unity. It's forced the church. And, you know, politics is, a, is, a, is a, an evil beast many times. It doesn't have to be, but it is. And, and so we've been battling that. The church is, has come together. And I'd, I see this many years ago. Pastor Mark came and, and also David Damien, Gideon Chu, and the gathering and these groups of leaders from around the world for about five, four or five years, right, more or less? And started to help and gather together all the, the key apostolic leaders of the nation and speaking about the spirit of unity that has to happen. And we saw those remnants and those seeds that were planted during that time come to fruition in the last few years now, which was absolutely vital in order for us to see a victory in the election and to see a victory over the evil and the demonic um, presence of uh, what, what the enemy had in store for the, for, the, for the nation. So there's been a real spiritual battle over, over Guatemala. And, you know, as a ministry, we get involved in those things. And there are side effects. So we've been battling. We saw a year, a little over a year ago, the volcano erupted. Tremendous uh, pain, suffering. Um, we were in the middle of it. Tremendous financial um, commitment, which we're in the middle of. And we're not the only ones. Many in the body of Christ are the ones. It's always the church that remains. It's always the church that's there. The world just flees. They're there for the flash. They're there for the, hey, we're here, and then they're gone. But it's the church that stands. It's the missions and the missionaries that are called by their home churches that stand in the middle of it even when it's tough. Amen? And without support, we can't do it. But that's what we've been going through. But now... We've overcome, and we're starting to see some great victory. We've just finished the, the one project that was put on complete hold for a year, year and a half ago because of the volcano is now uh, pretty much, well, not completely finished, but the main focus of it is finished in the big soccer field and that big project. And so we've started our soccer schools. Our first soccer camp is being done this week. Um, it's it's a, a, a very huge project and if you imagine your community, imagine Spruce Grove that wouldn't, with, with all of our youth and all of our teens, and you don't have a single facility for sports. You don't have a single facility or, or place for family to come together, to train, to, to play. Or you do have some. You have a little dirt field about twice the size of this. But when it rains, it's just mud and you can't do anything. And so it causes these youth to come and to leave. They, they, there's nothing there for them. And so it's important for us to bring hope into their lives. And, and it's not just preaching to them. Because it says when you preach, then you also have to, it says you also have to lay a foundation for them. And you have to, you have to build a platform to preach Christ into their lives. And that's what, that's what this does. And we're already seeing some incredible benefits from it. And so, praise God. The, uh, but I want to share, just take five minutes, more or less, and uh, evangelistically speaking here. 
No, um, I, I shared, a, or I had this quick word, uh, or this one little line, and I, I shared it last week there, and I just remembered it just right at the end of the service, and I want to just say it again. It says, and this is regarding this church, okay? Remember, understand, this is this church. How many here are part of this church? Then that means this is for you. This is a teaching that is evangelistically prophesying to an apostolic people that they may adequately pastor the coming move of God. It encompasses all five, and you're involved in that. It's an apostolic people. You are an apostolic people, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, you're an apostolic people. But you have a specific purpose, and it's to pastor the coming move of God. Amen? And that's how I liken it as now you're the donkey that is carrying the presence of the Lord. So with that, there comes an incredible responsibility on our part, and that is to be prepared. And it's no longer a, to, uh, we're no longer uh, able to just remain on the elementary principles of the doctrines of Christ. And that's what it tells us in the Word of God. It says, now leaving the elementary principles, we have to move on. Amen? We have to carry on to something a little bit more. And uh, it starts through prayer. This church has been, has been um, trained, has been prepared, has been, has been taught, has been prophesied. I mean, in every way you can imagine, has been apostolically uh, directed to pray to know what prayer is, to enter the presence of the Lord. And that's what prayer is. Prayer isn't just a bunch of words. This is something that the Lord was showing me earlier this week too. He says, prayer takes us from a physical realm where natural laws prevail, where certain things are impossible because the laws that rule it. So we live in a natural realm, in a natural world. But prayer takes us from that natural place. And there's rule, there's laws and principles that govern this natural place. So, so if our prayers don't transcend beyond the natural, it's, it's, we're just a bunch of words. So we have to understand the presence of God. We have to understand that when we stand and get into a, a spirit of prayer, an attitude of prayer, we say, let's pray. We know how to get to the presence of the Lord, which is in the spiritual realm. Amen. So prayer, we takes us from that physical realm, and it places us into a spiritual realm where spiritual laws apply. And the spiritual laws prevail, and nothing is impossible in that realm. It's the realm of the impossible. And it's also a realm where there is no such thing as time. See, time exists here, and we are subject to that. But when we take our prayer and our petition and our understanding into the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden, time is, is a non-factor. The impossible is a non-factor. And that's why he, he even tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, it, basically for much of the church, it's a mystery. It, it's, a, it's a revelation that we have to understand of when he says, first... Um, it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. Because we're natural man, and we have to go take what's the natural 
because we were the, we were, it says a man of dust, but we've been made the second man, Adam, but we are living in this natural realm. So we have to go into the spiritual. Amen? We have to go into the spiritual, first the natural, but then we go by prayer and by faith into the spiritual, and we take the things from the presence of God, and we bring them into the natural, and we give birth to them. And that is what God has called this church to do. Because not every church and not every ministry has the ability or understanding in which to do it. Amen? It's true. But we bring it back and we make it a reality, the spiritual into the natural. That's what we're called to do. Amen? And uh, our training is over. Training day is over. Amen? Training day is over. It's no longer training day. It's no longer teaching you how to get to the presence because you already know how to get into the presence. So the training day is over. It's time, it says in Hebrews 6, leave us, let's leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those are all amazing things, and it is our foundation. We never leave them, but he's saying, let's, let's just, it's, it's time to lay those aside and go further. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. For much of the church, they never get past that point. But now it's time to get beyond that, and that's the apostolic, the building. Are we ready for the, are we ready for the challenge? Secondly, it says now it's time, the training day's over, so now it's time to move into the real world. Into the natural. So we know how to get to the spiritual and bring what that which is in the presence of the Lord into the natural. That's what you guys have been taught. You guys have been trained to do that. What a privilege. What an amazing... It was like this morning in the worship. It says, there are not many churches in the world that can, where you can experience that. So we say, thank you, Lord, that we can walk in there. But now we take it from here out. Amen. And it's moving into the real world. And Jesus gave us a perfect example. Jesus, we can see it, says he had 70 followers, or he had many more than that, but 70 key followers. And out of those 70, he also had a 12 that he would take aside and, and, and speak specifically to them, but not, it was not privy to the 70. And then out of the 12, he would take the three. And he would show them things that even the 12 were not privy to. Because he saw something in that three that wasn't yet in the 12, although he wanted it to be. And he saw something in the 12 that was not yet in the 70. Do you see that? And he had many more followers than that. But the 70 were willing to give up everything. The 12 were willing to give up even more. And then the three were willing to die. So you have to decide where, where is this church and where are you in those categories? I believe that this church is in the three. This is the ones where Jesus took up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And he showed them things that no one has ever seen before. No one. Think of that. I'm showing you things in the spirit. And then he even turns around and he says, don't tell anybody 
what you saw. What? Are you kidding me? It's Wow. He says, don't tell anybody because they're not ready. It, the time will come when you're going to be able to tell them, but they're not ready. So you've been shown things that was hard to understand, hard for people to recognize, and so persecution would come, challenge would come, accusations would come because some of the things that were happening were not understood. But now it's time. And revelations being revealed about it. So today, there's a pattern in this that we have to recognize. And then along with that is every single time, the very first time when they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, they were challenged by demonic forces. Every time. They were challenged by the, when Jesus would walk on the water. And the first time they saw that, that, the, that the, the spiritual was superseding the natural. When Jesus would walk on the water. This is impossible. And Jesus was showing him, yeah, in the natural. But if you know the presence of God, you can go from the spirit and bring the, 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 the impossible to this earth. But the first thing that was presented to them was the demoniac challenge. Oh, really? Let's see what you say. Jesus, when he was in the desert for 40 days, and he comes out, the first thing that's challenged is Satan himself. And he challenges him. They come down from the mountain, and the first thing that they're challenged with is a, is a boy who's demonized, and, he, and he's convulsing and being thrown into the fire and into the water. And his disciples, the other 12, he says, the, the father says, he says, I asked them, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. And Jesus responded. He says, oh, faithless generation. How long am I going to be with you? And, you know, he wasn't referring to the 12. The father says, oh, Father, God, or Lord, he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus says, if you believe, nothing is impossible. Bringing from the spiritual into the natural. And that is the call of God on this body bringing the spiritual back into the natural. Amen? And bringing faith once again onto this earth. Are you grabbing hold of the the reality of this call? Amen? But we're going to face a challenge. And, and, And this is so important for us to understand. We will face a challenge of that call, of that faith, of that responsibility, and the enemy will come and say, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared for it? And how do we respond? How do we respond? And so you see, here's, here's what the, here's what the uh, um, basically we're, we're leaving boot camp. We're heading into battle. We're leaving those elementary doctrines, the things that are comfortable, Right? The laying on of hands, healing the sick. He even said raising the dead. Those are the, those are the elementary things. What? Raising the dead is elementary? That's, it's supposed to be. So what are the... What are the so it, it's important for us to understand. So what are the more mature things he calls, talks about? It's the apostolic understanding of the realms of the spirit and of the natural. And how we, how we supersede the realm of the natural and bring down the kingdom of God onto this earth. Amen? 
And we do it through various ways. We do it through, through uh, a variety of different things. We have to understand what those things are. Dominion. Walking in dominion. Understanding the, 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 princip- the, the, the principles of our faith that he's given us power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Because along with this call, he gives an authority that isn't even there with the other 12 or isn't there with the other 70. And that's why he says they had a hard time in, in dealing with the one demonic spirit. But then he says, but you will deal with these things because what we're going to deal with is the principalities and the powers. We're not going to deal with just the simple um, demonic activities in the day-to-day act things. And these principalities and powers come in all shapes and sizes. They don't come in the form of Satan. They don't always come in the form of a, of, of a man or a demoniac, someone who's it's easy to see. They can come in the form of poli- pol- politics, doctors, lawyers, laws. They can come in the form of, of religion and church. And so what we have to have more than anything is discernment. But the apostolic has been given that spirit of discernment. It comes part and parcel with it. And once you discern, then you know, but you also then know how to go forward in it. And, you f- and following you is the church. See, you're leading the way. You're paving the way. Amen? And so we have to be able to understand what tools, what weapons that's been given to us. And it's time to start wielding them, start to teach, to learn them, and to start to walk in them. Amen? And uh, I, I don't have time to share this whole story, but I, I just feel like it'd be really good to share real quick, just a minute or two. Um, well, just one scripture here. In Hebrews 12, it says, Hebrews 12, 5 to 7, it says, If you've raced with men on foot and they've wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you're so trusting, like Canada, how will you, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan where demons rule? So if, if we get tired running against men, how, what are we going to do when the horses come? Because the horses are here. And he's raised up because God always has a remnant. And he always has a, a people who are ready to challenge the horses and the chariots. Amen? Are you up for the challenge? You up for the challenge? Amen. How many want to, how many want to outrun a horse? How many want to tear down a chariot? Because that's what he's saying. This is the time for us to do. And it, see, it, because it gives hope to the rest of the church because they look and they say, this is impossible. It's not a possibility. But then all of a sudden, the impossible becomes the possible because we had a people who knew how to go from the natural realm to the spiritual realm into the presence of God, bring back with them the weapons and the tools and the understanding and the, and the authority, the dominion, with them and plant it and they plow through the horses and the people behind said, I thought that was impossible. But all of a sudden, the impossible becomes the possible. 
And all of a sudden, their faith rises to a place. Well, I guess it's not impossible. Because if he can do it, so can I. Because the same Christ that rules in both of us. Amen? Anyway, this one quick story. And it gives an example. I'm going to do it real quick, Mark. He gets so antsy. You guys enjoying yourselves? Yeah. Okay. Now, I want to share about Yolanda. And I feel this is very pertinent to this story and to this church. Is, and again, I'm going to share this real quick. It's, it, it would take me two hours to share the whole story. Yolanda was a 15-year-old girl in a place called El Rancho in Guatemala. And she was, when, when myself and, and uh, my right-hand guy got to this place, we were doing an outdoor crusade. So we had the whole city we're out in the streets and the platform and the whole city was coming out for this crusade. And uh, there was a revival that was taking place in the region. And, but when we got there, the very first thing that we were challenged with is the pastor and the mayor come running up to us. They say, you got to come. You got to come. And it was this 15-year-old girl. And I go, what's the matter? You just got to come. You just got to come. And I, okay, let's, let's go. And we go into this house, and there's this 15-year-old girl, maybe not even five feet tall, and she's tied by chains to a concrete post. And she's, she's like, where am I? What am I doing? And they said, she's in her right mind. And again, to make a long story short, she was demonized uh, about six months before that. And nobody could control her. She, she literally brought fear to the entire region. Said, they said stories of five, six, seven men would come and she would beat them up and almost kill them. She almost killed the previous mayor. And, and they ran away with their lives. They had pastors come and she would beat them up. And, she would, and no one could do anything with her. They had uh, Catholic priests come, and she would, she would attack them and beat them up. They had missionaries come, and they would, she would beat them up, and they would run away with their legs between, their tail between their legs. That would be a good one, the legs between their tail. That would be a good one. And, uh, and, and they said, but she's all of a sudden in her right mind. We don't know what happened. Because for six months, she has been demonized a demoniac and this little girl was not there and they couldn't control her and they said but finally one time they were able to to get her and tie her up and so she had been for almost two months tied with a chain big chains around her on this post and then when we we got there says when we entered into the city all of a sudden she comes to her right mind and then by at that time and and again uh, I wish I could, I'll share it maybe some other day, some other time. I've never shared this here before. But, but uh, there, while, when we got there, there was a, a, uh, uh, a witch in the territory who was very well known. This was, this was a witch who had real power, who had uh, real signs and wonders take place, and was feared by the people. And she was there doing incantations. She had, she had uh, garlic wrapped around this girl's um, head. And she was doing all kinds of different incantations. She had the, you know, the pentagram on the ground and all things. So the first thing we did was we kicked her out. She turns around. She says, I'm smoking a cigar for you, which means I'm going to kill you. You're, you're, it's a death thing. And everyone freaked out. Everyone. Because his, anyone she's ever done that for says has died the next day. And I says, has nothing on me. And it doesn't matter. And, uh, and the next morning, 
when we get up, she's, she, we, we prayed with her. And, and actually, the, while we were there, the demons came back. And, and so we cast them out. The next day, this happened three times. Came back, cast them out, came back, cast them out. And the next morning, though, woke up, and the pastor's wife was dying. She was literally turning blue. She was, she was about to die, and we prayed over her. And uh, it's because, you see, that curse couldn't land on us. Amen? Because you have to know your authority. You have to know your, who you are in Christ. And I'm sharing this for a reason, because we have to know who we are in Christ. So when the enemy comes, he has nothing in us. He has nothing in us. Because we're going to come against some principalities and powers in the coming days. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Only you're going to see the recompense of the Lord, and the people are going to see it along with us. Isn't that exciting? Well, the whole, the whole city was waiting to see what the result was. What, who's going to win? You see, we have an audience, and they're waiting to see what's going to happen. And after uh, three days of the crusade, the last day, the witch doctor was in the audience because we didn't die. And the witch doctor was there, and we called her out, and we told her to repent. She has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, or she will die. And she, she, she says, well, what do I do? I said, you have to call on the name of the Lord. She refused. She left, and she died. So it's very real. That little girl was totally set free. The last day of the crusade, she was up sharing her testimony in front of everybody. And everybody knew who she was where nobody else could cast her, could set her free. But God has called you to set the captives free in this place. Amen. We, we brought her home. So she lived with us for almost a month. She lived in Miranda's bedroom. <laughs> so, so she had a great companion. And, uh, and we sent her on her way. So there's also a responsibility that we have because people are going to come. They're going to come and sit at this place. This place, I believe, is going to be packed, packed with others that are going to say, I want what you have. I need what you need, what you have. How do I get it? So let's be ready. Amen. 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 Well, I'm happy to share my time with Kim. You know, there's, uh, th- this is real stuff. When the scripture he's talking about in Hebrews, about the, uh, the, the doctrinal foundations of the, of the kingdom, the context is that he's rebuking the Hebrews for their lack of maturity. And he's saying, listen, it's time to come up. It's time to begin to do what you were trained to do. And so it says, we're, we're leaving the elementary principles because the principle of the thing is the milk. The doing of the thing is the food. Okay. The solid food, which belongs to those who are mature, which he talks about Hebrews 5, is, is what he's calling you into. And it doesn't mean you don't, you don't need help at some point in your life, but it means that the things that are meant to be realized from this point forward are going to be realized by you serving, not you sitting, listening to another message. 
but by you taking the responsibility to do that thing and begin to do it. Well, what does that look like? Well, that can be feeding the poor. It can be inviting people into your home and then beginning to teach them and share your testimony and, and be hospitable and, uh, you know, create a hub of, of love that, that people who don't have family, don't have a safe place to be at, that they can come to your home and you can introduce, introduce them to Christ and say, hey, we're going to have a little Bible study. We're going to talk about whatever. And, and that's what you do. You begin to own the responsibility to mentor your community. You begin to, to lay your life down for others so that you can discover the authority that God has put in you. You know, if Kim had never gone with his lovely wife, and the, there's a great testimony of the first night they were in Guatemala. One, one, one day you get to hear that. But if they hadn't gone to Guatemala, they wouldn't have seen or discovered the power of God to set people free from demonic spirits. If they hadn't done that elementary thing. And, uh, you know, I was just at a meeting the other night where Rodney Howard Brown was talking about, about how he grew up in a Holy Ghost environment. He said, I fell asleep under the, the coffee table countless nights with worship and dancing going on in our living room, my parents casting out demons. And, you know, this is just what I grew up with. You know, his parents weren't pastors. They were, he was a businessman. And yet they were just doing the stuff, doing the stuff. That's what you can do. You're not here to watch the stuff being done. <laughs> You're here to be told that you can do the stuff so that you can go and do the stuff. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what's the, what's the soccer field deal? You know, like, why are we raising money for a soccer field or whatever? Uh, because, you know, we are, we are here not just to get people saved, but to, for the welfare of the cities in which they dwell. You know, that God even spoke to the prophet who was in captivity in a heathen land. And he said, seek the welfare of the city in which you dwell. Because God's heart with the kingdom is not only that you get you saved, but that you, through your love and through your service, you create streets to dwell in. That's a scripture from Isaiah. Creating streets to dwell in is creating community. It begins with a father and a mother heart that loves people, but it creates an opportunity for prosperity and blessing. It creates opportunity for kids, for families, for people to live. It creates opportunity for jobs, for industry, for income, for, for lifestyles, because God wants you to have life and have it abundantly. And only the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. So everything that makes enjoyment of life possible, things like ice cream, that's part of the kingdom of God. God made ice cream possible. Somebody back there was clapping. All right. But there are, there are people out there in faraway places and with, uh, with digital uh, media and with what we can do over the Internet, you know, the, the message, the apostolic gospel that God is releasing across the nations can go into far-flung places that we can't go as, uh, as a group of people. And so we are going to continue to offer our service to the body of Christ across the world. Amen? So, Father, thank you for what you're doing in Spruce Grove. Thank you that the promises are true. Thank you, Lord, that every word, every prophecy that we've, we've read again and again, that we've meditated on, that we've declared, that we've reminded ourselves about, everything is true, and amen. And you are righteous to perform it in our midst as we align with you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to call it a day. Bless you. 
love one another, 